This episode of File Underwater is brought to you by you, the listener, to File Underwater. Tell your friends if you like this show. It's uh, not on the bubble or anything, but we'd like more people to listen to it. Uh, so if you like it, please tell your buddies. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to File Underwater, the show where we try to convince you that I am America's best rock band. Yep. And this week we are talking about Fables of the Reconstruction, their third full of studio album. Fables <laughs> of the Reconstruction. Yeah. Of the Fables of the Reconstruction. Go, go, go to 10. Yeah. 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 It, is, it is a, uh, a elliptical title. Yes. And, uh, one one little thing I read where like Michael said, like I'm so pissed that nobody calls it Reconstruction of the Fables because be either one. It's like oh, come if, on. if if either of them work. Also, hey buddy, your album has to be called something. <laughs> <laughs> like, thing that we don't just have names because of fun aesthetic reasons. Like it is also because it's handy to be able to reference something by a collection of words that signify it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Although I it's would, a, it would be pretty funny if this was filed simultaneously under F and R. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just ugh. The um, there's there's some record store that did that. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's one hundred percent a thing. Um, yeah, this is this is the uh, the third album, uh, third studio album, difficult third album, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I actually like in revisiting it. I love this record. Yeah, it's 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 really good. Um, it's actually it's a really going to be a really cool pairing with the next one too because I yeah. think that they have kind of um the issues for that they do have are very separate. Mm-hmm. Like I think they both have issues. I think that history. The kind of popular consensus is that Life Search Pageant is like a triumph and this is kind of a misstep. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't buy that. And I think that uh, the weaknesses that Life Search Pageant has are interestingly reflected yes. in uh, the kind of strengths of Fables of the Reconstruction. Yeah. Like um, if you if you superimpose these over each other, it would just be a flat a flat sine wave almost. Yeah. 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 It, it's a uh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think I'd said at some point, like this is the first like arguably not perfect album. But no, this is actually really super great. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's, it's it's vindicated by history too a little bit. Like even in the uh, the 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 older books that I read on this, like going into the '90s, the consensus was, God, we hated this at the time uh, among the band, but the, but they came around on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about what the band's been doing at this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, they probably hated this because producing the album was miserable. Um, they were in this weird situation where they had been touring for basically four years at this point, um, and they had to either uh, put out an album in the spring before college let out or keep on touring and just wait and put it out uh, in, in the fall when college is back again because they're a college radio band. And so they had to uh, crunch this down and record it in these weird, uh, non-ideal circumstances for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of that is just uh, the circumstances of the production and part a lot of it. You can't really understate the tour part like yeah. that they have just been literally touring for four years. Yeah. And burnout was going to happen. Yeah. And they're getting the success like around this time. Um, 
you know, people like they're, they're buying houses, Yep. you know, like they're getting the houses they they've made it, you know, there's a, there's a really cute anecdote in uh, the oral history book about uh, Peter Buck feeling like he made it because he bought a house with a pool <laughs> and it being like the ultimate, like, Oh, last year I was living in a hallway yeah. and now I have a house with a pool and that being such a huge deal. They can't like, they can't live in it though. They can't, they're not feeling this reward from this thing. I, I understand that, uh, that feeling of, uh, the, the benefits I'm reaping from this are abstract, right? But the toils are really real. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of, uh, lent to this misery. Um, there's actually like a perfect storm of misery. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that, that's a big thing. Um, the other thing is they didn't record with people they're used to, right. um, Mitch Easter, um, they're getting, they outgrew him a little bit and he was getting, uh, pretty busy with his band, uh, let's active. Yes. Which was a rejected title for an Ubisoft game that was going to come out in the 2009 fitness game craze. Is that true? <laughs> no, I mean, it could be like, it's, it sounded like EA's let's active. Like, <laughs> yep. yeah. Um, I've never heard let's active. Have you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, I have a, a, a double record, like a record, a split record they did oh. uh, with somebody and, uh, it's pretty good. Like it, it, it sounds like a guy who would produce early REM. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like jangly rock. Um, it's not, it doesn't sound special. Right. Right. You know, it doesn't sound like, uh, Oh, this, I get why it's exists in the place it does. Yeah. You know, but, uh, it's good. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's a similar product or a similar flavor. Yeah. 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 And it never really moved or anything. It didn't really have time to, right. but it's, it's, I don't think let's, let's active is certainly like a pretty good band. Yeah. Um, um, without being great. Yeah. Well, so in, in the place of Mitch Easter, they kind of had this, uh, they, they shopped and they eventually ended up with a producer named John Boyd. Uh, they wanted to find somebody who would play up kind of their folkier sound, you know, again, in this weird amorphous folk rock genre. Um, and John Boyd had produced for people like Nick Drake, you know, before Nick Drake became a household name via that one car commercial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, so they had this kind of folk producer who was was there's uh, some contention uh, with that guy. Right. Um, the next two producers, there's like weird, there's a little weird friction mm-hmm. um, with them, and you get the sense of just like bringing in somebody outside the family. You know, like it's just like oh, this guy doesn't really know how REM does this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, why are you spending all this time on these mixes? Why are you spending all this time on? And that became a real thing for the next uh, next one, but they were kind of into it. Mm-hmm. So when you when you look at the yin yang part of it, this is when. A producer came along and did kind of traditional production stuff, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, this sounds <laughs> fine. Leave it alone. The next one, uh, which we'll talk about, is when the producer came in and was like, hey, I'm going to spend 70 years getting this drum sound to sound perfect. <laughs> and they're like, man, this is awesome. Yep. Like, they, they like total sea change in their personalities, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, between these two records. But this one is when it is still kind of tough. So, like, history, you know, they're all pretty kind about John Boyd now. Like, they like him. You know, they're they're in, in favor of him. But there was this kind of sense afterwards where like, hey, we hate that record. And him and John Boyd being like, yeah, that was a real failure. I kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, there was a quote that was something along the lines of I feel like I I feel like I served my role as an employee because they met their financial obligations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really cold. And it warmed up a little bit later. Yeah. You know, like there's a part where, um, you know, they they everyone's kind of in history has been like, OK, no, it's not. It's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, like everybody was pretty shitty. Like Bill Berry was like doing interviews where he's like, it sucks. Yeah. Like our new record sucks. He was, he was Leonard part sixing it. Yeah. Like what? That's so weird. You know, like <laughs> you're trying to sell this thing, dog. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I just, I don't, I don't really get it. Yeah. Like it is, it is different and a little bit, you know, it's gloomier and stuff than their previous records, but mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, 
It's not, it's, it, you know, I was going to say it's not up, but I like up a lot. It's right. not as big a departure as up. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's a dirge, but it's not a death march, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's a little, slightly less dirgy than it, than it seems, you right, know, initially, yeah. like if you listen to it, it's, it's, you know, it's not quite as slow paced and, and dark. Yeah. It has, you can't get there from here on, on it. Like, yeah. Which is like, like literally the goofiest thing they've ever done or <laughs> will ever do. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. We have radio song this like late in the future. Yeah, you throw it, throw in a grenade. Like our time's gonna run out. Like a like show of destiny. <laughs> Get the radio song. Yeah, but um, damn but, that radio song. Oh, but but uh, but but John Boyd. Like when he came in, he listened to Murmur and Reckoning, and he got a little bit intimidated. Like, oh, what can I do? He, like, what can I bring to this? Almost yeah. is the is is this is uh, what he said in a, in a couple of quotes, and so it was. It, it got off to a rocky start just because of expectation. Like the pressure of that difficult third album fell on him as much as it did for anybody else, specifically because of that personnel change. Yeah, yeah. Which again, kind of a bummer historically, but in yeah. retrospect, doesn't really matter. Like this is actually. Um, the the album that in the behind the music for REM is their dark spot other than Bill Berry's <laughs> aneurysm and quitting. Well, yeah, it's just literally like we had a bummer recording like session <laughs> and it, it does sound like a bummer, but it also kind of sounds like a like a cool job, too. Like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. like um, uh, the, 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 the stuff that's a bummer about it. So they, they were in London in, in March, which I understand is pretty miserable. Like you have Peter Buck describing I had to carry my I had to carry my goddamn guitar on a subway and yeah, I had to yeah, walk so in the rain. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was like it was like a, a an hour. It sounds like about an hour and a half commute uh-huh. to get there. Um, you know, and he's like, man, I just I didn't feel like picking up my guitar. I just felt like drinking a beer. And I was like, <laughs> well, this, you know, this is like a, like this is a job. You know, like yeah. I, I I don't want to make. Any, I understand like you know, creative work takes comfort. Yeah, and takes you know that kind of thing. But at the same time, like it doesn't. Uh, there is this kind of. I think that when in their interviews, they're not really giving enough credit to the fact that like. This is you lacking normalcy for four years more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the capper on that. But this actual experience of having a 90 minute commute isn't <laughs> like people do that, dude. Yep. Like that's that's a thing. And and Stipe was not like he was out doing London Underground shit. Yeah. Like Stipe is the one who turned out to be OK during all this. And I think that actually shows because I think uh, one of the things when we start talking about the songs is this is uh, as good as they've gotten lyrically, mm-hmm. I think, um, and maybe as good as they'll get. Like this, this might have my favorite lyrics on it, oh. which we'll get to. Like, I, I really think this is really strong yeah. in that respect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody was kind of, and you know, homesickness is a thing, right? Like, oh, even sure. if this is a band that had been on the road literally for four years, they'd have been, they had been in familiar areas. A lot of their touring was around, you know, the American South. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that that shows in this, like there's a song at the end of this that it just aches with wanting to be back home. <laughs> You know, and it, it it it's weird. I don't like. I'm bringing the story to to. I'm, I'm talking about Wendell G. I'm bringing the story to it, but like you can hear it in the mix and then the performance and the vocal performance, um, in the in the studio in a way that you can't hear it, uh, in the version that is done as a demo back in Athens. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Um, yeah, and this album has that reputation for being this kind of Southern Gothic kind of thing. Yeah, the reconstruction you know, like br- being a period after the Civil War. Everybody knows that. Yeah, which which is another thing that like Stipe will deny and say that's not <laughs> not about that. Um, yeah. He talks about it being about. Uh, there's a really great anecdote in the book where he's telling an interviewer that it's about carpentry because um, he's talking to his dad about carpentry and he says carpentry is a, ho- a hobby uh, hobby of mine. 
And Peter Buck like says, no, it's not. Don't exaggerate. And then, yeah, don't exaggerate. And then he goes, uh, well, I okay, be. well, I, yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of it, you know? Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also on top of this, Mills and Barry were not able to watch March Madness. Yeah, because being being the normies in the band, <laughs> yeah. like that's what that's what they're sad about. Like Peter Buck is like, oh, I can't believe I'm not a rock star, and you know Michael Stipe is off doing his thing. <laughs> like the, the two good old boys can't like the you just can't watch basketball. Yeah, G, <laughs> golly, G, Wendell G, yeah, yeah, Wendell G. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, this is also the period uh, the, the that quote that we like to reference about everybody wanting to be down in the mix, uh, being you know REM being the inverse of most rock bands that comes from John Boyd at this time. Yeah. Yep, yep. And that making it very difficult for him. Right. Um, I couldn't get a good mix because I would I would set things up and I would have somebody high in the mix and highlight it and they would all shout it down. <laughs> um, and then you can hear that in, in the album, too. And the album does have like a really murky sound. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then they, of course, during this time, they were also there's a tour for this. There was a pre-construction tour before they left the States to go record. And then they did a European tour mm-hmm. uh, that at least was at least partially uh, in, in Europe and the live show that's in the show notes from this is, uh, from Germany. Yeah. Uh, and is a cracker. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, 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 it's really good. Yeah. You should, uh, it's the, it's my favorite live show that we've posted as a thing so far too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I, I love looking at it because it's very obviously being, uh, tra- transcoded off of a VHS. So it mm-hmm. has kind of that, 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 that old timey vibe to it. Old timey yeah. being, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> and they, they uh you know, they do a bunch of like it's it's a good set, like it's really high energy. They uh showcase a couple of songs that will show up on later albums, um, and they do some covers. Yeah. Uh, and they are fun covers. Yeah. And we'll talk about those later. Yeah, yeah. Uh so as things are happening in the band kind of around this time, uh the we we've talked about this before, but it was where it was solidified. They started sharing the money and the writing uh credit equally, and they've already done you know, they've already done that. And they also ran the band on unanimous consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, as I read about these guys, I, again, we, we, we laid so much sugar on them in the first episode about the way they run, run themselves, but just looking at how this creative enterprise worked is fascinating to me. Yeah. 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 Um, as we mentioned, Buck bought that house of the pool. Yep. Um, and, uh, Mills and Barry bought classic cars, <laughs> uh, which you can see in the, I uh, can't get here from, can't get there from here video. Right. Uh, that's their cars. Yeah. Michael State bought a bunch of art. Yep. He's Michael State. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, for as good as that live show that's in the note uh, in the notes is that, that that show in Germany, they hated touring in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't like touring in Europe before either. Um, when they went out in support of uh, in support of Murmur, um, yeah, they they opened up for U two. Like U two was like, hey, we we really want you to you know to come tour with us. And they were worried that it was going to be a repeat of the incident uh, where they opened up for the police, uh, and it kind of was. They got up there and. Uh, Led with feeling gravity's pull and had plastic bottles full of piss thrown at them. Well, it's not a good opener, guys. <laughs> like you, op- they literally opened every every show on this tour with that. Yep. Um, there's like a, an anecdote from an opening band who was just kind of like, yeah, their set like became really predictable at some point. Like it was, you know, I watched them play this song, you know, over and over and over. And like I, I like that song, all right. Yeah, I think that it is a really silly thing to open up a live show with. Yeah, like yeah, you know, like just what a what a you know. It's not even like, oh, we're setting a tone because the rest of the live show would be really high energy and stuff. Like, it's, right. it's the same live show that they cover, like, paint it black. <laughs> you know, it's it's like a goofy rock show, but it starts with a sturge. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. This, as, this, as, uh, an, as an album opener, Feeling Gravity's Pull works. As a live show, I could definitely see people being like, what the fuck? 
yeah, this is just, you know, the, what is this going to be? Yeah. Um, the, uh, the YouTube liking them, um, this is something the first time I noticed in my reading that other bands were starting to take notice. Right. Um, there's a really charming anecdote um, right around this time. It's kind of between this album and the next one, but it was during this tour time when they were hiring this, uh, this guitar tech uh, guy who eventually they were going to hire him to play, uh, play bass while Mike Mills played keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all these kind of things he's auditioning for. He's really excited. Um, he gets to, uh, they're considering it for, for him for it. And then one of his friends says like, Hey, Metallica is looking for guitar tech too. Do you want to come meet him? And like, this guy loves, loves REM, loves Metallica. Okay. okay. And he goes and uh, goes to his live show and uh, gets backstage, talks to uh, Kurt Hammett, uh, the, the noted asshole from Metallica. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, yeah, you, I hear you want to be our guitar tech guy. And he's like, yeah, man, I would love to. And he's like, Oh, I, I, one of the, the guy, you know, your friend, he told me that, uh, the REM guys were thinking about you, right? And, uh, and he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, you should totally do that. Like they're a better band <laughs> and like, and had like a bunch of REM tapes. So like, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's the guys I'm really into. You should hold out for that. If you don't get that though, we'll take you. <laughs> like, it was just like this really, you know, you, you wouldn't think that, but like, yeah, you know, that they, they were getting the respect of their peers in like a real serious way. Yeah. Um, also, if I was that guy, I would so much rather tour with REM. Can you, can you imagine? I cannot imagine the fucking yeah. nightmare. Like, just, just somebody send him a VHS copy of that documentary. Yeah, some kind of monster. <laughs> some kind of monster. And just, yeah. like, you know, look, I, and the, the oral history never like follows up with that dude. So I don't know where, what he ended up doing. Okay. So it's a real like it's it's a real Schrodinger's roadie kind of. <laughs> Kind of thing. He's, he's still in the gig box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know which which uh, which of those two paths in the woods he took, but like <laughs> one, one of them ended up having you know uh, having to go like, hey, I know there's coke in this town, go find it. You know, from like, <laughs> know like, uh, like Kirk Hammett versus you know getting to set, hang around and watch basketball with Mike Mills. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not like REM didn't party; they drank all the time. But yeah, yeah, they you know, were they were drunks and stuff. <laughs> there, but there, just, was, there was less uh, less chance you were going to be pushed face first into a jet of open flame. Yeah, <laughs> slightly less. Slightly. Well, then less. and then also uh, that was like right before Metallica had their like bus crash and lost their uh, their dude. Right. They, that you know, I can't remember the name of the guy who died from Metallica, but that was a thing that happened in the '80s. So like, it is it is like a real Final Destination thing. Like if you, <laughs> if you get a chance, like choose choose REM because you're less likely to get exploded. You might just get an aneurysm, but like you're not gonna you're not gonna get blown up, you know. <laughs> but then you're gonna get a farm after that. Like that's well, that's you can bait free farm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, uh, there, there, there's another fun anecdote uh, again about the live shows. They were in Ottawa, which I understand is in Europe. Um, and uh, somebody shouted "fuck off" while while uh, Snipe was singing "Moon River." And our buddy Mike Mills, ever the aggressor, uh, had to be restrained, and he shouted, "You come up here and fuck off." That's so good. I, like I, I, we had to come up with a word for the like you're angry, so you make a nonsensical comeback. Yeah, that's so good. No, you fuck. Yo, you, come you come up, up here and fuck off in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah, why don't you fuck off all over the stage? <laughs> you know, it's really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so as we said, they were drunk a lot. Uh, Peter Buck was drinking the entire time yeah. uh, while while playing shows, too. Um, a couple times he got really drunk and, hit, like, threw his guitar <laughs> off stage and stormed off. Um, he wasn't sleeping during this time either. No, no. Uh, you know, this, this, is, this is rough stuff with them with self-care yeah uh especially for stipe who uh at this time was sick all the time and falling over uh because he was only eating potatoes yep they moved on 
from from garlic to potatoes. <laughs> yep, yep. So um, we, we got we got the carb king up here, uh, <laughs> changing his appearance every day, appearing on stage in Glasgow covered in watches with the word dog written on his forehead. Yeah, yeah. Just just being a being a real weirdo. But he, I mean, he was like sick and not doing well. But right. I also read stories about him like experiencing Europe culture yeah. during this time. Like it's like he's not going to take you know miss the opportunity to go do art fuckery shit in Berlin. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> I think as far as the guys in the band, he's probably having the best time of it while yes. still not enjoying the actual tour process, yeah. you know, prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll, we're going to talk about that live show just kind of at the end, but there's a really good one in Germany uh, on October 2nd, 1985. Yeah. And uh, that's the one I'd recommend watching. But this tour is actually pretty well documented. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several YouTubes of different shows from different dates. Yeah. And uh, that's the nice part about them uh, kind of getting big like this, you know, like yes. the, the, there is there is a lot of kind of professionally produced uh, documentation of these guys, as opposed to kind of the wellspring of bootlegs uh, that popped up, you know, in their first yeah. couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Which which also still exists to you. Like we, you still get those kind of things as well. I found a really good uh, resource, which I don't I usually just YouTube links in the thing, but I'll put it in there, which is a website that does compiles set lists. Mm hmm for bands uh year to year that's fascinating like i spend a bunch of time on there looking at like some of my favorite bands like what was my favorite band playing this year yeah you know like and what what covers did this band play and maybe i can hunt down a youtube version of them doing it Mm -hmm. things like that super fun and and finding shows that you've been to uh (laughs) is a is a real trip like it's it's really really like surreal to be like yeah yep that was that's how that happens yeah 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 yeah. Um, so just like REM does, they named the sides of this album, um, you know, kind of cleverly. Uh, the first side is called a side and the second mm-hmm. co- and the second side is called another side. Yes. <laughs> Pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and let's uh, let's let's get into it. Or let's talk about uh, the cover for a second. Yeah. Um, I like the cover of this album a lot. I think it reminds me a lot of the Pixies album Bossa Nova. It's got okay. the same kind of color scheme yeah. and uh, and stuff to it. And uh, or um, I think there's a really famous like Mars Volta album cover that oh, has a I guy's head one. on a table I know that about has it. the same kind of color scheme. It's not like the same imagery, mm-hmm. but it, it like it kind of reminds me of that palette. Yeah, I love the uh, the hand drawn logo uh, at the center of it over the mm-hmm. uh, the burning book. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is also, I think, the first official one that uh, the, the first official cover that has photos of the yeah. uh, of the band on it uh, kind yep. of at the far corners. Um, it's, it's super cool. Like the first side, you know, fables of the in the beginning and this says REM on the other side where it says reconstruction. Um, there is this, uh, this kind of wooden block with ears sculpted on it mm-hmm. hanging from, from a thing. Like it's very bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's all, that's all I got. It's just, it's moving into a weird kind of more esoteric looking art mm-hmm. than the kind of folk art or folk art stuff they had done previously. Yeah. This. The, the, the Howard Fenster stuff. Yeah. 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 Cool. I uh, dig let's, it. Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, starting with Feeling Gravity's Pole. Um, and like we mentioned before, not a great live opener. Uh, I like this as a statement about what the album is uh, going to be, um, you know, and, and how it's going to be different than uh, than Reckoning. Like the first track always has a, a higher a higher degree of importance on it. And they wanted this to sound weird. It, it You know, that, that that is a statement that this makes to me. I think it, it's, it's probably as far as like, bummer opener songs mm-hmm. uh that they they get into the habit of doing i think this is probably my favorite yeah um i think one of, the, one of the things i think that is the idea is like this is kind of a mission statement in re-listening to this album uh it is kind of twitchy and weird but i think it's more a question of like 
twitchy highs and, and weird highs more than like kind of a general base. Mm-hmm. I think that like if the album is more defined by kind of uh, those kind of mid-tempo, middle-of-the-road REM songs. Yeah. And there are more of those than than songs like this. So yeah. like it does kind of present a, you know, a thesis for the album that the album doesn't really do. Right so much you know yeah. um it's a cool song like it, it sound doesn't sound like rem no especially in the guitar like the the muted yeah the muted like did it did it like they're just the yeah. really like telegraph kind of sound um they're doing harmonics which is weird for them <laughs> yeah 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 and there's a, a string quartet yeah <laughs> uh in it which is uh really really kind of awesomely low in the mix until the very end yeah <laughs> when it comes out which i really like it comes out and yeah. it uh repeats the same bar over and over again and it's really tense as it yeah, really kind of yeah. fades away and it's uh, replaced with like with uh, with electric hum. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the the you know when I talk about the the lyrics on this album um being really good I think this is the reason why is I think that this is where it hits that balance of um like abstract. Mm-hmm. You know like like feeling kind of meaningless but evocative yeah. in a good in you know kind of a good way and they're going to go hard against that in the next record. Yeah. Where things will get a little bit more direct but this is just very like there are a bunch of lines in this I really like. Like <laughs> You know, this this whole uh, it's hitting a lot of hallmarks that I like a lot. So like this yeah. whole repeated thing about it being a man ray kind of sky. Yeah. Like that kind of reference. Um, I love dialogue in songs. <laughs> yeah. Like I love when songs take uh, prose structure in the middle of it. It's like somewhere near the end. It said, you can't do this. I said I can, too. You know, <laughs> like that's I love I love that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just I love the just the the surreality of this. You know, they're it's kind of on the nose because they're referencing Man Ray, the the, the photographer. Um, mm-hmm. But it is it is right there. Like this is just this is just landscape and situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's also like for being one of these kind of drone songs, it manages to be weirdly catchy at points. Oh, yeah. Like when it breaks into the chorus, it like yeah, immediately that... like shifts over and snaps into like major. And yeah, that, that step up. Like part, I think that's that's really really catchy and good, um, you know, and and kind of well sung. Like this is a real this this is a good tune. Yeah, um, this has a music video to it uh, that I think is really kind of boring but appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like everybody's Jacob La- Jacob's ladder and out. <laughs> um, uh, from from a production standpoint, it's really interesting because it's uh it's it's like stills, but um they occasionally blur and uh, turn into action. So like it, it, it's like they shot the video and then processed uh, uh, or color processed it and then decided okay we're gonna hang on this and then like time shift to the next like pose that we're going to do. Uh, yeah. they, they did a similar a, a similar video for uh, another song uh, for Life and How to Live It, but it feels yeah. like a better fit here. Honestly, oh very very much so yeah even though the lyrical content of life and uh, how to live it what's about does kind of deal with that kind of schizophrenic yeah you know living in two states kind of thing mm-hmm. that's suggested visually by the, the video style yeah um the second track on this maps and legends when i was a, a kid this was my favorite rem song yep. um, maps and legends was my password on my first computer <laughs> nice and like was like for on a lot of my like documents like i was you know uh, would would write things and and I think I've mentioned this before, but my first computer didn't have a word processor, so I wrote everything in QBasic. Okay, I would just write print before every line and then just write prose, <laughs> and then just run the program instead of like reviewing it. <laughs> um, and the password on all those things was was Maps and Legends. Nice. So yep. yeah, 
this is a this is a very good song like it's 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 pleasant nice to listen to um it, it has it has a really hooky chorus to it as well um mm-hmm. and it, this does something that i love in this era of rem which is mike mills and uh, uh gosh bill barry are singing a different song in the background instead of just doing the uh the uh the the, the harmonies mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yep um, and this is about, you know, this album, uh, I think I mentioned this in the last uh, episode. Yep. This is has a lot of biographies on it um, of Southern weirdos. <laughs> so yeah. it is kind of like, a, you know, a who's who of uh, weird Southern Gothic. And this uh, has a lot of kind of abstract parts, but there are parts that are directly about Howard Finster. Yes. Um, specifically, um, there's this, uh, you know, down the way the road's divided. Paint me the places that you have seen. But those who know what I don't know. Uh, we'll refer to the re- red, yellow, red, and green. You know, who are just going to see just the kind of colors yeah. of this. Um, yeah. H- Howard Finster being the person who did the art for Reckoning and also, I believe, the person who owned the statue um, garden that they walked around in for the uh, for the video for Radio Free Europe. Yeah, an, an outsider artist that uh, Michael Stipe considers a man of character and vision yes. or whatever. Like, there's somebody <laughs> who he really likes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I say in the notes here that it's very road REM, like it does feel kind of up the middle for it, but like, that's good. (laughs) This album is full of up the middle. It's just like really good up the middle tracks. Yeah. You know? So it's like, we're, we're getting a lot of like pilgrimage style kind of, kind of songs like these, these middle ages of you (laughs) kind of things, just really good ones though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and this song is definitely that where it's just like, it's a little slow, you know, it's like a little, just like mid tempo kind of rock song with not like a whole lot of parts, not a lot of complexity, mm-hmm. uh, but is still pretty and pleasant to listen to and has nice lyrics. Yeah. You know? Yep. And it's written with affection for somebody that, that, that they knew. Um, if this, if this album is to be believed, uh, Michael Spice, Michael Stipe spent all of his, uh, all of his time in Athens hanging out with old weirdos. <laughs> I, I, going, like, 100, like, I think that's true. Yeah. Like, I think it's like 100% true. <laughs> um, I, I always like when I was young, I always thought it would, it would be cool to be the person who like makes friends with old people, you know, uh, in this way, probably because I'd, I'd read about Michael Stipe doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never been able to, uh, to do that. I had, when I worked at um, the Fred Meyer, when I first moved out here, me and my wife, I was friends with um, a lady who was like an older checkout lady. Okay. And, uh, and she was really nice, you know, and at some point she invited us over for dinner and like we went and it was like, it was a really pleasant, <laughs> but the culture part of it, uh, I think that for me to, I would have to be like a Howard Finster person who like somebody who I admired their work or something. Yeah. Because there is just, you do run into a fatigue of someone just not knowing what you're talking about when you <laughs> reference things. Right. And not, you know, I, I'm not like a walking family guy. Like I don't just make references, but right. you know, if you're just like constantly kind of having to explain things or, or something like that, it started, it started making me feel really bad. There's, yeah, there's, there, there's something about not sharing an easy and natural shorthand. Yeah. You know, and we had none of that common vocabulary. So like as much as this person was very like sweet and good and like, I liked working with them. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Um, and it yeah. was probably weird for, for her too, you know, <laughs> because of us, like it wasn't like just, you know, she wasn't being weird. Who's this upstart eating my food? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I I got my I got my uh recommended daily amount of old person by doing community theater. I would do it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the definitely there there is that phase when you're uh <laughs> when you're let's say tw- in your 20s and you really want to uh wear a cabbie hat and meet uh meet a char- meet a Tom Waits character. Yeah. 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 It's just like well, what kind of what kind of cool wisdom is this going to get me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for this cool wisdom. <laughs> Let's go to track three. Three is always where they hide the gold. This is driver eight. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Which I guess in reading about it, more people talked about can't get there from here. But I always thought this was kind of like the the South Central reign of this album. Yes. Like the big the big single because can't get there from here is so goofy. Like I, I kind of like that song, but like, mm-hmm. man, is it it feels like a novelty song. It's, to me. It's out of place. Very, yeah. it's, it's very out of place. Whereas this feels of a piece with uh, with the rest of the album. And it mm-hmm. feels definitely closer to, <laughs> to to what they've done before, and what it, they would continue to do. Like like this is this is right uh, like right in the wheelhouse. This is an Ur like REM song. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, and, and they've been working on it. Like this popped up on the tours for Reckoning. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is great. This has a it's really kind of a riff driven guitar track, and it's this a uh, low riff. Yeah. You know, dun, like dun, 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 dun. Ain't, yeah. ain't no money above the fifth fret. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or is that a thing and, really? I, I've heard that quote before. Okay. I, I always liked it because, yeah. you know, what are you doing? Wheatley dealy dealing, you know? Yeah. Don't, don't give me those solos. No, no. Give, give, give me, yeah. give me this down here. And this like, like this, yeah. this riff sounds very, very similar to what, the, like they would, what would take them to, to number one with the one I love. Right. Yeah. Like this is, this is just playing around with the lower strings of open chords. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And, uh, the, you know, the actual kind of chord progressions, um, of this are real, uh, kind of standard, like major to minor, yeah. you know, a, a minor to E minor mm-hmm. kind of REM stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, real, uh, re- real Neil Youngy uh, in, the, in, yeah. in, in that regard. Um, and it's a song about trains, you know, they've done this before yeah. boxcars and such. Yep. Um, you know, and, and with a, you know, a video about trains yep. uh, as well just to, <laughs> just to get that out of the way of trains. <laughs> very much like a lazy shitty video <laughs> yeah. uh about trains um again though like the uh one of the things i like about how this song uh does does lyrics when it's just kind of hitting all these checkpoints of things that i like yeah um is the uh like self-referential probably there's like something dan bayard does all the time but this like yeah. he piloted this song in a plane like that one Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of like referring to the actual artifact that you're creating yeah. at the time is like a real like something that like hits my hits my buttons real good. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, it's just a song about trains, with kind of train <laughs> lines and, and kind of the scenic imagery. But there's still those kind of tricks like there's a, a sophistication that he's running into. Yeah. That I like. She, she's selling faith on the go tell crusade. Yeah. 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 It's um, and it's very much a road song too. Like the, <laughs> it's a song about a a, a a train operator who's incredibly tired, uh, and needs to take a break. But it could very well just be like, hey, we're in a tour bus, and I wish yeah. we were home. And it will it will never happen. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Really, really good song, and a real like representative. Yeah. Of uh, IRS era. REM. Yeah, and it, <laughs> th- th- this is one of the few times where, where where I can be surprised with a harmonica out of nowhere and feel like it fits. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a train. That's, that's a train whistle. Okay, yeah, yeah. and not want to <laughs> shoot the player of the harmonica. Um, <laughs> but it's real low on my my list of instruments. There, <laughs> it's it's fine. I just like to. It's okay at a live show because you know it's coming because you're gonna be wearing that rig around their head. Like, okay, there's <laughs> the going to be a, they're like they're, they're yeah harmonica brace. Yeah, well, I mean, or the uh, the, the the Super Mario Brothers Goomba. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> harmonica brace. Yeah. You you could you know it'd be real like let's say you got a real Hannibal Lecter situation right like there there's there's a Hannibal Lecter hanging out you know, he's about look out he gets mm-hmm. caught. You put him in his Hannibal Lecter uh, mobile or whatever you want to call that thing he rides around in. His dolly. And his dolly. And uh, if you really wanted to take the dignity out of that guy, you could really like strap <laughs> a harmonica to the front of it. So like he'd still try to be like 
say you know mean stuff, but it would still make little harmonica sounds when you just can't talk through it. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it, it, you couldn't be intimidating. Like you try to in your head, yeah, and all you'd be thinking about is how he's honking on Bobo. You know, <laughs> the only thing more cruel than that would be uh, a fixing kazoo's in somebody's nose. Yeah. Yeah. And these are all things we could do to Adam Lecter if he was our, some kind of like furniture slave, you know? Why are we talking about torturing prisoners? <laughs> well, he's a really bad guy. Cole. Okay, like, just... it's born out. It's born yeah. out. Yeah, he's not. And this is a pretty fun torture, just to be fair. <laughs> like, it's, it's, fun the torture that, it's the torture that makes him hard to get to psychologically manipulate you. you know? <laughs> the good kind. Of. It's hard to yeah. establish psychological dominance when you're hawking on Bobo. Yeah, you can't. Uh, it'd be very like, if, like you know, they tell you to ma- imagine everyone naked. You yeah. know, like if you're nervous, but like imagine playing a harmon or a, a kazoo. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be terrified naked yeah. on a stage with a kazoo. Mm, no. Oh man, yeah, <sighs> not gonna do it. Uh, um, <laughs> I love the uh, the story of this next song. Yeah, uh, the kind of background of this is one of my favorite like little background details. Tell it. We've run into. Um, yeah, so life and how to live it. Um, this was another single. Uh, off the album um the uh so this is michael stipe was friends with uh another weird athens old guy who had two apartments uh in the same building that were side by side Mm -hmm. and uh he had a wall between or a door between them and he decorated them completely differently had two closets that had completely different coal clothes in them and would spend his life kind of bisected in this way yeah um he would like spend some of his time in one house and he'd be like i'm this person and then he would spend some of his time in this other you know, house and be this other person. Yeah. And, uh, really fascinating. And when he, uh, when he eventually passed, they found, uh, in his closet, he had self published and written thousands of copies of a book about his life philosophy called life and how to live it. Mm-hmm. Um, and never sold it, never sold it, never like gave them out, never did anything with them. They weren't found until he died. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, at the time <laughs> I was talking about this on the Slack board and I think it was Liam, uh, who said like, there's a copy of his book on eBay for like a thousand bucks right now. Oh, really? It's like that. Like it's become like a rare thing. Huh? Um, but what a, what a cool, what a cool thing. Yeah. Like, and a cool thing that like, I, I, I do that. Yeah, I'd do like, that I, if, I, I, if I, if I bought a two unit house. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like the idea of having like, this is this kind of place that like, I like separation of spaces. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it does like, there is a personality aspect to that, you know, like you are shaped kind of by your space. Like, mm-hmm. You know, if I had an area like this is, the, you know, this half of my apartment just has books in it. Like, I'm going to spend some time reading. I'm going to go over this. It's decorated this way. It has these kind of snacks and these kind of drinks and like this kind of clothes. And this is where I'm going to like pursue this, yeah. you know, um, super cool. Like, I, I like that story a lot. Yeah, we should all aspire to that. I think yes. I think that guy had a point. <laughs> a man of uh, clear vision and purpose. Yes. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I like this. I like this song. Um, it, uh, it, it opens up with this kind of jangly guitar intro. Um, it's not really jangly. It's very like clear. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't quite know how to, how to put it. It reminds me of something that would show up on like a Sonic youth song. Yeah. It's real clean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. and kind of just hits the ground running. Like this is, you know, a pretty fast paced, uh, you know, uh, for, for this album. And, uh, again, though, is a little bit like one of those middle of the road REM songs. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's nothing uh, specifically super special about this. It's just kind of like a good song. Yeah. Like there are chords that sound to get good together yeah. and lyrics that sound good and melodies that are good. Yeah. Um, um, so so um, Stipe's vocals on this album and then, you know, especially in the next one. Again, it's strange how we're doing these in pairs like this. Um, he, he's really pushing himself, it sounds like. Like, he's really, like, squeaking. 
in this. Yeah. Um, he's like struggling to get some of this stuff out. He's he's up really at the upper end of his register. Yeah. You know, and you can hear it too. Like the chorus, like carpenter that like, it is really like up there. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, good, good song. Yeah. Um, this, um, so I've listened to, uh, two versions of all these songs, uh, if you don't count the, uh, the, the, the demos, um, but, uh, on Apple music, there's the regular mix that came out, um, uh, you know, when, when this album came out, then there's a remaster, uh, that was done in the early nineties, I think. And that's where you get, uh, kind of all the deluxe tracks on top of it. For some reason, the, like the, the remaster mix on this just buries all the cool parts of it. Like it's, it's a a weird thing where like, I would say, go back and listen to the original. Yeah. And that doesn't happen very often with music. No. Like you see that with movies, you know, like nobody wants to watch the star Wars where George Lucas fucked with it. But like with music, usually the latest version of something is the best. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, not the case here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, I love how the, uh, title, uh, never comes in until the last line. Yes. Uh, this like the way the song kind of ends, like everything runs out of steam at the same time, <laughs> you know, with him kind of like it, like literally, you know, the last syllable of the lyrics with, is with the last note. Yep. You know, and it's, uh, you know, prior to this, you know, the lyrics, he talks about like running out into the street to tell uh, what he's hidden, you know, which is obviously this cache of books, mm-hmm. you know, and then, uh, you know, listen to the holler. If I write a book, it will be called life and how to live it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So and I like that. I like when a song ends abruptly as opposed to petering out or fading out. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, Old Man Kenzie, uh, I like this song a lot, Gary. <laughs> this, this, uh, this is this is one where I I don't like it except for the lyrics elevate it for me. Okay, you know it, it's uh, but this is this is the the next like dark, you know, dark beautiful twisted fantasy song. You know, this is another <laughs> yes. when people say this album is dark. Yeah, this is they're referring the, to this and feeling gravity's pull. Yeah, this is you know? this is part of what they're talking about. Um, yeah, I just love how uh, grim. <laughs> the entire thing yeah. sounds um you know uh you have stipe kind of doing this uh um kind of constant breathless high singing over top of over top of this really sleazy bass uh mm-hmm. telling a story about a really uh like shitty character it's it's written by this guy so it's one of the very few songs that rem did that is co-written by somebody else mm-hmm. um this is jerry Ayers, who also wrote a wind out with okay. them i think yeah. Um, and Jerry Ayers was this guy who's like this old scenester. He used to hang out in Andy Warhol's factory, uh, but ended up in uh, in Athens, older than everybody, but everybody likes him. Interesting dude. And they wrote this song about this guy who is this kind of, you know, again, weirdo guy in town. Uh, he used to kidnap people's dogs and hold them for ransom. Yeah. Or return them for the reward, uh, you know, after people had put up these 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 reward posters yeah uh, which is you know one of the scummier things you can you can think to do yeah and he um, yep yeah, and uh that was how he paid for all of his booze yeah. yeah just like an old drunk yeah old shitty drunk um yeah it you know starts off with this, this bass as we mentioned the guitar is this kind of like doing these kind of like loose riffs mm-hmm. uh over everything um the song doesn't have so much in the way of like parts you know it is kind of weirdly like like a mod like a block yeah it's a it's 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 a drone is what it is like it it repeats it's like one big verse and then it has an outro but like it'll say uh it's all punctuated by you know it's it's my folly talks about drinking up and then says he wants to do something but first he has to learn how to do this other thing on top of it and then just repeats that loop over and over again yeah and which happens three times it's like three three kind of paragraphs yeah uh, things which like again like lyrically i really like this i like that yeah. repetition a lot yeah um you know 
uh, and the the person is kind of you know this being kind of written in this third person, you know, kind of state, mm-hmm. um, while still having an authorial voice that pops in. Yep. You know where, uh, you know the 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 author or the perspective uh, that's being written from will kind of hold themselves accountable for things kind of partway through it. Yeah. You know, like, so he's talking about this other character, but then he also is a character in the song. So it has that kind of prose sense to it. Yeah. Uh, that I really like. Yeah. Um, it's very clearly not written by Stipe because it is directly a story about a person mm-hmm. um, as opposed to being kind of oblique uh, and uh, elliptical in its approach to its subject yeah. matter. Yeah. You know, like this is a story like, you know, when he went out, I was like, yeah, yeah it's 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 a southern tradition. And we adhere to the old ways. We tell stories. We spin yarns. Like, OK, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it, I think it's co-written. I think that Sype did have something to do with it. I don't think it's it's entirely airs. Mm, OK, is that I don't know if that's supported it, by it, in, read. In, in the things that I write. It was like, oh, this like this is this is notable for being a song that was the at least lyrically written by somebody else. Mm. Yeah, I, I could be wrong about that. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I'm sure. Stipe put put his own put his own English on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I do. I do like it. It's just uh, musically, it is harder to for me to get down with. Yeah. I think. Um. But I actually like that kind of like weird, uh, repetitive nature of the lyric, the cyclical yeah. part. But I think I'm just more tolerant of something that leans on atmosphere as as yeah. heavily as this one does. That's um, probably true. Yeah. There's differences in taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That's the end of the the first side. <laughs> Yeah, um, you flip it over and you get uh, can't get there from here. <laughs> it's so um, str- so th- this is this is this is a time when uh, the fact that all albums now are presented without a without a side break that really mm-hmm. works against this because going from Old Man Kenzie to can't get there from here. It's the, pretty jarring. The, they're worlds apart. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty jarring. And this is like, you know, they, they were listening to like a lot of kind of, you know, funk and soul at the time. Yeah, you know, mu- that musicians do that. Um, you know, the <laughs> only musicians listen to funk only, and soul. Yeah, only musicians will get this. Um, well, music like you know, uh, people who who are professional musicians tend to have like an appreciation for a wide degree of musicality. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like it's kind of a, a cliche where like you know a lot of people you know I like all music except for rap and country. Like people will say things like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. which is which is, we talked about that to death. It's like an ignorant statement, but you know, when you run into musicians, like a lot of times, it's like, oh, I love old country records. I love old blues records. I love all that. You know, yeah. I think there is a level of that's what I was trying to get at. Whether, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that's that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were listening to a lot of that stuff. They're kind of inspired by it and kind of decided to take like a a, a take at it, kind of a run at it. Um, and it's like a weird novelty song. <laughs> like it sounds it's like a, this is like a goof em up it's like children's music <laughs> it's, i mean it's got a horn section which I, I i will enjoy when it is well deployed on like a power pop song you know like that yeah. can that can work pretty well um i i feel like they're approaching it from two different directions and even though this is a this is a fun and good song like melodically uh i don't think stylistically it it, it meets in the middle whatsoever <laughs> no no it's it's really jarring and weird um, it's, it's, it's interesting too, cause this is a real marker of like the producer cause the producer brought all those horns on. Yeah. Um, and you can listen to on that reissue, you can listen to the Athens demos of this and the version of this, that's the demo, uh, without all that stuff, like really suffers mm-hmm. like this, this song really benefits from the, the production. One of the things too, in that demo, I'm really surprised is that like Michael Stipe can hit that air raid siren, like note yep. before the <laughs> chorus, like every time yeah. you know, I was like, Oh, the, this probably took a bunch of runups, you know, that that's hard, yeah. but no. Um, no, he just does it. Like it begins with this, like, or it has this really falsetto, like, I don't even know what to call it. This keen, <laughs> yeah. uh, that happens at the beginning of the chorus. 
Yep. I, I don't, I don't know how to, how, how to phrase that either. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is, it is really strange. And like, he's, he's doing like all these different voices too. It's like a fucking Isaac Brock performance. Almost. He, he sings in a lot of different registers. During yeah. It. Like, like he yeah. opens up like the, it's like this with this Elvis swagger when the world is a monster. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, yeah, it's his Elvis impersonation and then kind of becomes medium and then gets this like falsetto and then gets to the, the chorus, which is kind of normal. Like it is, uh, it's all over the place. Yeah. Um, um, the chorus is fun. I, I like yeah, the, the chorus, chorus is real fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, be, uh, so I, I like the chorus, and like if there if there's anything that redeems that, that that is redeeming about this, whenever they step out of their comfort zone, uh, it, it, it almost always feels like it is being led by the rhythm section. So that can mm-hmm. lead to a bummer from the drummer, or it can lead to this, where like Mike Mills is having the time of his life on the bass. <laughs> yeah, which is just like let him let him pucker <laughs> himself out. The, the bass and, and horns and, and drums on this are really great. The guitar, I think, is pretty forgettable and dumb. Yeah, well, it just like... Like, it's just that, like... You know? Let's just throw a wah, just just a couple of wah chords in there to so people remember that Peter Buck exists. Yeah, like, like Peter, it feels like he didn't know what he was doing, right. you know, during this. Um, it's it's so it's so goofy, even down to, like, the lyrical content. Yeah. Uh, you know, where it's, like, self-referential. There are lots of little spoken parts. Mm-hmm. Um, to it um, and even down to the you know the the lyrics where he, so he's again it's about this kind of southern place like this you know this thing he talks about um, you know if you uh, this this town called Philomath yeah actual uh, town you know yeah a real real small town um, one of the really you know because REM is a funny band one of the things in an interview I saw a quote where like Peter Buck was like yeah they once had a post office <laughs> I guess it's like, like you know um, yeah the uh the song has right. all kinds of uh, call-outs to Brother Ray, referring to Ray Charles. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, these uh, these different kind of uh, call-outs to these different people. He also, he throws in, uh, I, I didn't notice this until I listened to the B-side, second things we're going to talk about, but he throws mm-hmm. this uh, line about throw your trolls out the door, which we're going to talk about in one of the uh, outtakes for this, yeah. a song where that came from, which it's like the dumbest line in that song. And it's like, why do you have to include, like, that's not <laughs> that good of a line to, like, make sure that baby gets in here, buddy. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's real, real goofy. And this all comes through with the, uh, the video too, where, uh, the video is like a monkey's video. <laughs> <laughs> it opens yeah. with him fast forward, running towards hay bales and jumping over them. Like, it's like <laughs> what is this? What am I watching? Who is this for? Yeah. And then it turns out the real purpose of the video was for, um, Mills and, <laughs> for Mills and Barry to show off their cars. Like they're going to a yeah. drive in. And like they're just the the worst uh, like green screening and chroma keying as like they're not just watching the movie but like they're 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 experiencing different dimensions outside their car as they uh, as they eat popcorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 extremely silly. Like you know, let's have these guys like in silhouettes walk with these weird masks and step. Here's Stipe dancing with a saxophone. Like it's just like it is it is one of the goofiest goofiest things that they'll, they'll do. Yeah. Uh, or ever ever done <laughs> so um, um yeah. noteworthy for like for like dorks um one of the things that's noteworthy about it is it starts showing his lyrics which like you know at the time it's, it's really hard in retrospect to understand exactly how big like the the mysticism angle of like stipe's lyrics really were yeah yeah you know since it was a selling point for like the first couple albums you know or kind of like a discussion point um you know everything i read pointed out how noteworthy it was to have some lyrics well, and they did it as a, as a, as a, a little bit, but they, yeah, they did it as a fuck you. 
a yeah. little bit. Like, uh, just <laughs> they, they hated doing videos, uh, except they seem to have fun with this one. But like uh, on the next album, when we talk about uh, Agash uh, Fall on Me, like they're just kind of like, yeah, we uh, we we hate video. We have nothing but contempt for this. You, you you fuckers want a lyric sheet? Well, we'll give you a lyric sheet, and then let's just flash the lyrics up one at a time. Yeah. Yep. Um, Green Girl the Rushes is, uh, it's, it is, it's political. Um, Mm -hmm. and it is the first of kind of this trilogy across the next three albums of songs about, um, things that America was doing in Central America. Yeah. Kind of migrant workers and stuff. This was part of a, uh, like a weird, like a pact that Michael Stipe made with Natalie Merchant to, to write more songs about this, this subject. So there are 10,000 Maniac songs that like are also part of her version of the Deton, you know, the Tontine <laughs> yep. um, that you can listen to, which is kind of, uh, kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I listened to some old 10,000 Maniacs recently cause I liked that band a lot when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, but just their newer stuff. I listened to some of the 80s stuff and it's pretty good. Yeah. No, um, yeah, I, this is a uh, real middle of the road REM, but I like this song a lot actually. Yeah. Um, I, these, uh, the chords of, that are in this are chords that I are, we, I'm weak to. Okay. Uh, like D's, A's, F sharp minors, and E's, like kind of put together, like just does it for me. Yeah. Um, those four chords. And I think the structure of this song is really interesting. Um, like it doesn't go into the chorus when you expect it to every time. Like it does this kind of like will kind of reset upon itself uh, when when I don't expect it that to happen. When I expect it to go into the green grow, the rushes yeah. uh, section. Yeah, uh, it's very soft. It, it, it's kind of a reprise or another approach to the Seven Chinese Brothers. Like, let's just have this high E string, high B string riff that we have going on, like this very high descending guitar that will go throughout the entire thing that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that is built around um, uh, for, for, for that particular part. And then it is this kind of mamas and papas call and repeat uh, harmony uh, mm-hmm. over over the actual uh, verses themselves. Yeah. Um, this is we'll we'll talk about those songs when they come up that that trilogy. Uh, there's one on the next album as well. Next two yeah. albums, yeah. each album get, gets one. Yeah, um, um, and, and the, the, like there's a famous line we 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 would be remiss if we didn't say it. It's actually pretty good. Uh, Amber waves of gain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. It's a it's it's a little bit. I think this is a little bit subtler of a a, a cue than he will get into in the next record. Yes. Like my biggest problem with Life Switch Pageant is it is too direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, lyrically and this is dealing with those same themes but it's a little bit better it's a little bit Um, obfuscated yeah just like a little bit it's still it's still a little direct but like it feels a little less you know uh eye Mm rolly than some of the stuff that shows up on there yeah um this is also based on there's an old folk song called green grow the rushes Mm. um which i have not heard but shows up when you kind of search this so that's kind of a the it's not the same song but you know yeah probably a a thing that's type heard it's an homage Um, yeah. yeah, that little, that little like low bass, that little low guitar riff that goes into the kind of second chord of the the verse parts of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the walk ding, up. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. yeah, I like really like that. Like the the relationship between those two chords is very good. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, um, and I I don't know. So you don't play guitar. That is an incredibly fun key to play in, mm. specifically because there is so much happening on the bottom three. I believe um, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Kohotek. I'm going to be very uh, curious to hear if you like this. I like Kohotek. Uh, it's I, a, it, I yeah, really it's, don't. It's a, it's a lyric thing for me. Okay. Um, the, again, it has that weird, um, third, you know, lyric tricks, you know, messing with structure and perspective and stuff like the third person 
remove you're referring yourself in the third person mm-hmm. kind of thing. There's like the whole like Michael build a bridge, Michael tore it down. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, it's a real like really it's a relationship song. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a it's a love song, um, you know, but I like that that lyric a lot. Okay. Uh, you know, I like that self-referential part. I like those, uh, the, the, just that, that repetition. I think that like, that is the, where, where it's strongest, the way that they vary, uh, they vary that courage built a bridge, jealousy tore it down, fever built a bridge, reason tore it down. Yeah. Like it, it, it leans into something that REM does, which is kind of sets up, um, simple poeticism by directly contradicting themselves. He can be reached. He can't, he can be reached. He must not be reached. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I dig, I dig that. Um, I just think that this is, this is musically the worst, the worst example of what people accuse this album of. It's very moody wallpaper Mm. is, uh, is, is, is the sense that I get to it. Like, uh, things are buried in it. It's mixed all muddy. Like I just, I, I, I can't get into it. Like looking at the lyrics, I can appreciate, I can appreciate where it's at. I feel like we're switching places, Gary. It's real weird, but I, I think that it, it, it makes a sense because at the very least, cause I think this is at least to me and, and maybe it's, I could be alone in this, but like, it feels like it's a, a real different kind of lyric sense mm. that he does. There's more of that kind of like early REM is very abstract, yeah. you know, and it's, but it's abstract in terms of the content of the words, like how they string together. Um, this is the first album where they start being those kind of like messing with syntax and messing with, um, perspective and kind of prose styles and stuff. And that's something that I appreciate, like in, in all of my lyricists, like all my favorite lyricists do that. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm picking up on it so hard because he doesn't do it in other albums really. Yeah. Like it's not, this doesn't feel like something he adds to his quiver so much. There's this happens sometimes, but the next album is going to really, really change gears on that. Yeah. You know, so this is kind of when he's doing this thing that, you know, I really, really love when like David Bowie does it or Dan Bayard does it or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's also a, a, a rarity and this can work for or against it, which is this is a love song. You know, it's about a relationship. He's, you know, Kohotek is a comet that showed up over the South. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's using that as kind of a metaphor for the way the, the, the relationship came and went. Um, they don't do that very much. They don't no. have songs that are as directly about relationships as this one is. Yeah. The um, I also uh, the lyrics that I'm reading have this is different, but I really like the kind of uh, transition into the chorus, at least the my headcanon version of it, where he, <laughs> um, he says it sounds like he's saying like uh, you left me high and then he holds high and he the high trans or I thought he was saying I'm not Coho Tech. Mm. Uh, so the lyrics I'm reading say something different than that, but that's always yeah. how I interpreted it. So taking that like uh, transitioning that high into I'm you know, using the same word uh, kind of yeah. thing. You know, I always really liked that as well, which, yeah. again, who knows if it's doing it. But, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I take any any lyrics listings before reveal with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Um, and there's no video for this. So who knows? Um, <laughs> yep. You know, so he, he didn't uh, present it. But yeah, it, again, it is. I will say that it is another one of these uh, middle of the road R.M. songs. Like that's yeah. what this kind of defines this album, you know, yeah. Um, where the next song uh, is one of the like three dark songs. Yes. You know, it's not like an album that is full of dark moodiness. It's old man, Kenzie <laughs> gravity's told pull and uh, another engine auctioneer, another engine. Yes. Um, which is weird. This is their nine, nine for this record. Like this yeah. is their like kind of twitchy, you know, wire, uh, kind of po- punk sounding thing. Yeah. Uh, this works a lot better for me. 
than um, yeah. than nine nine does. Um, I, I don't know if it's just because there's a like there's a stronger through line in the chorus with them just intentionally not be not not harmonizing, like mm-hmm. just hitting that dissonant note on. Uh, uh, let me let me see here. Oh gosh, the lyrics are a mess, and I can't remember the words. But you know what I'm talking about. Like the like the, the the chorus ties it together much better, I think. Yeah. Than uh, <laughs> the, than, uh, the, than I think nine nine has, which feels a little bit too scattered to me. Mm. Yeah. 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 I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know about this one. There's a couple lyrics I like in this a lot. Yeah. Like the you know uh, take this nickel make a dime like that kind of thing I I appreciate. Yeah. Quite a bit. Um. But the. Uh, they kind of like listen to the bargain holler part. Like there's a couple too too many repetitions of something that I think is too static mm-hmm. in this uh, for me. And it's kind of got that speak singing uh, kind of part during the, you know, the part of it, the another engine part. Yeah. Another, you know, he's just kind of like saying it over yeah. and over. It feels like it's trying to pound me into submission, but the music feels not quite like robust enough mm-hmm. for me. Like there's not enough going on. Like I, I can appreciate being pounded into submission by music. Yeah. It's- pounded in. You know, pounded in the butt by own my own submission to music, <laughs> um, yeah. but it, it's like a weird like it's it's a little too skeletal for that. Yeah, it's very sparse. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This this doesn't work for me so yeah. much. Like I don't hate it. There's no songs on this album I hate. Right, but uh, it, this this uh, does not work for me very strongly. It's not too bad. I, I yeah. like it about as much as I like nine nine, but I don't think I was as cool as nine on nine nine as you were. Yeah, yeah. Um, while still not liking it very much, but I I don't I don't hate that song either. Yeah, you know, um, I'm meh. Yeah, a little bit. I, I just, I kind of wish they would have committed to the nothing ringing out uh, on the on the post the the post chorus guitar. It feels like they they retreated to having a, tr- a traditional guitar line in this, um, almost out of fear. Like, okay, we, it needs to happen somewhere, so let's just put it here before we get into the weird stuff again. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's a little like a solo, yeah, in it. You know that happens. It, it's a, uh, I guess this would when if you take this with uh, can't get there from here, it makes this kind of weird through line of maybe a lack of uh, kind of versatility on Buck's part. Yeah. You know, which is something he'll get better at, I think, but I could, I could accept that read that early on, he's maybe not great at going outside his comfort zone. Yeah. Well, and this is before he really started playing around with different instruments too. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, so the next one here, good advice is uh, this song just lies there. This song yeah. is a puddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's again, it's real middle of the road. Uh, REM. Uh, that I like the lyrics of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, um, I don't like the lyrics very much. No, I no. yeah, I don't know. It's just a bunch of um, uh, just a bunch of maxims. It is it is a bunch it is a bunch of issues of maxim <laughs> in a in a in a garage waiting to be set on fire. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, this is to me. I get like I think maybe uh, what I'm picking up on here uh, in liking this is that when I talk about like the the directness and indirectness contrasting. Okay. Really well. Like there's no there's not very much indirectness in this song, but the album has been really good about not being this forward. Mm-hmm. You know, other than like Kohotech, which still has kind of some some obfuscation. You know, and then this kind of just like series of declarative statements. Yeah, yeah. As as a thing, like kind of works for me. Um yeah. It's a, I think this is too slow paced. Yep. Like I said, this is not my favorite song of the album. Like I think this is pretty middling. Defend yourself. Here. Defend yes. your. Defend why <laughs> yeah. you do not hate this as much as I do. Yeah, I just, I don't, I just even don't. I don't. It. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I just. I can't. Can't bring myself to hate it. Like I think yeah. this album has a really good batting average. Like there's yeah. nothing on this I dislike as much as I dislike um, uh, the Raga from the last album. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's nothing I want to skip through. Yeah. Um, I think that this does, and this is something we're going to see in uh, Life's Rich Pageant. Life's Rich Pageant as well. 
and it's kind of weird uh for me um because all the reading i'm doing really compliments them on this mm-hmm. um i think that like rem in this middle period of albums and this uh definitely goes true for document is not doing a very good job with sequencing no uh, these records like this is this is uh auctioneer is is kind of a wake up thing mm-hmm. um but this second side um you know is pretty sleepy yep uh on this record <laughs> you know even when it's good like i love green grow the rushes i like wendell g a lot mm-hmm. um this is a pretty sleepy side of the record there isn't anything that like sound even another engine which is you know you thought rem couldn't rock like it's not it's too uh like it's not dynamic enough to be like awake as something like driver eight is yeah they they should have taken some of the spine from the from the first part of the album and then like redistributed it and and that's going to be such a thing on the next record yeah like um which is so top heavy Mm -hmm. um you know so this is it is like i mean like a puddle is a pretty good way to put it i just you know it's it's a an average middle of the road REM song. It's, it's just, like this is like a, a B B minus. Well, when, you know? when, when I say it's lazy, I'm not talking about the effort that that that, that, that was put into it because you know it's very well produced, all that stuff. It, it it rises to their standard. It is lazy in its pacing. It is lazy and yeah. languid in a in, in a way that in, in a in a way that the rest of the album hasn't conditioned me for. Yeah, I, I think that it just again, you know, the series of declarative statements and then the directness, like this, you know, this lyrics where it's like at the end of the day when there are no friends there are no lovers like when the song kind of breaks out from that mm-hmm. um i think is really strong yeah you know like it's it it's at least has like one of those like individual moments that i think is is really strong yeah so let's talk about wendell g uh because yeah. i like this this is a fantastic closer this is really cute and good this yeah. also has a really good story behind it mm-hmm. <laughs> um, apparently there's a town where everybody's related so much that they all share the last name yeah, well, not literally, but that was their their joke because they would drive through and they'd be like, oh, this is Wendell, you know, this is G, uh, Wendell G's used cars and this is Robert G's laundry. And like everybody was like a G in the <laughs> title. Uh, and then this turned out to be, you know, true. Like they people looked it up afterwards mm-hmm. and uh, actual Wendell G died uh, like 20 years after the song was written. Yeah. It's like I've seen seen his obituary, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it's, it's such a, a sh- real cute, cute idea, you know. Yeah, it it is like one of those quirky southern town kind of things where like, you know, one one family, you know, owns a lot mm-hmm. of businesses like, you know, like this is, you know, they're, they're, they're real big wheels in this town. Yeah. Yep. The yeah. G's down at the Cracker Factory. Yeah. Um, and this is this is just a really, really sweet kind of banjo led. Like it almost sounds like something Kermit the Frog would sing <laughs> to me. <laughs> um like doesn't it like the whistle as the wind blows through me like that sounds like a kermit the frog lyric to me yeah it it it, kind of does i I think that the banjo might be skewing you there um oh yeah (laughs) but um but uh but but it's definitely there and i think that (laughs) another reason why you might be hooking onto that this is incredibly sincere and earnest yeah right like uh you know depictions of the south in media uh tend to be uh kind of unflattering in a lot of ways you know, yeah. like, oh, like just a shit kicking hill folk, you know, any number of things like in, you know, in, in the South, if, you know, if somebody is from there, they are, you know, rubes, they fell off the turnip truck, any number of hurtful, harmful things. This yes. is, you know, something that doesn't embrace that, but says like, yeah, like, the, the, like there is so much to love about this. There's genuine affection for home in this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really sweet and good hearted and it's a really nice, like kind of send off. Like when they, you know, when they do, uh, you know, REM chooses a couple of different ways to like end their albums. Um, I think that they, 
you know, there are a couple different beginnings that you either begin with a rocker or you begin with like an intentional down note. Mm-hmm. Um, but the endings are kind of all over the place. And this is one of my favorites because this feels like a sweet goodbye, you know, to a thing that is very nostalgic and kind of like home driven. Yeah. You know, you know re- recorded as far away from home as they as they had been at that point. Yeah. You know, at least in their yeah. professional lives. Yeah. Doing their job. Uh, yeah. I, I like this song a lot. I think this is one of their stronger album closers. Yep. Um, there's a bunch of uh, kind of outtakes and B-sides and stuff. Yes, there are. Um, I forgot to make a note of the troll song, although I did listen to it on the uh, on the remasters. Let's. Um, I want to talk about that for a second because yeah. it's it's. Uh, I think that that's um that's the only one that is like a studio outtake mm-hmm. from this. It's not uh, a B side. It's a song called "Throw Those Trolls Away." Um, it's very much in a unfinished state. Yeah. Uh, here, I think the lyrics during the verses of that are really cool. Yeah. Um, and what that turned into, those lyrics turned into, I believe, uh, the next album. But I think it is much like in I believe he talks about it being his spirit. Yeah. Uh, on the original version, he says he refers to it as his medium. Mm-hmm. Like, and I really like, you know, when I was young and full of hate, my medium was a rattlesnake. Like, that's I really like the idea of a person having a medium. Yep. I I, like that. I prefer that to just talking about a spirit. <laughs> yeah, like very much so. And like, I think that that and then it's got that whole like, you know, when I was uh, when I was young and the wind would move and I would move and I was young because my medium was a parachute like this whole like. Thing, it's like really kind of good. I think the verses of that song are good. Mm-hmm. And then the chorus is the dumbest thing this band has ever fucking done. Yep. <laughs> don't be a loser. Well, Throw those trolls away. <laughs> like, it's so fucking stupid. I don't understand. Like, like, don't be a loser. Like, what is it? It's like from the soundtrack of Revenge of the Nerds or something. Like, <laughs> Throw those trolls away. Yeah. Dun, dun. Like, it, it, is, it is so hard. It is so hard to look past that. Yeah, um, it's it's an excruciating chorus, and I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know, so it's hard to look at this in 2017 and see trolls as anything but you know eggs on Twitter. I know that you know, I know that's not yeah. the case. I know that's just a ridiculous thing. They're not talking about troll dolls. Are they talking about the about the Scandinavian mythological beasts? I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't understand, Gary. <laughs> I assumed that it was something like you know because he talks about these parts of his you know the other parts are talking about his life, you know, like the the old parts of his life. You know, and I, that's why I assume it is. It's like, mm. take these, take the junk out, yeah. you know, get rid of this junk um, that you had. I'm trying to find the part in can't get here from there. What like to get the context of those throw the dro- trolls out the door mm-hmm. uh, thing. But there's not, yeah, there's, there's no additional insight there. Yeah. It's just, it's such a frustrating thing because it's like, I feel like with, if, the, if it had made it onto the album and they had like worked it up, it could have been like one, it sounds like pretty awake and, and like good, you know, other than like the breakdown in the chorus. Like if they'd, worked on it made a better chorus this could have spiced up the second half of this record yeah you know um, and it also would have been a, would have been a better version of i believe <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah and i believe is you know not my favorite thing in the world yeah. um you know it is like the sanitized version of that but yeah. like the chorus is really worth hearing just for like it's not jazz lips bad but like it is it is really really bad it's uh it's misguided yeah um, and it work in progress, you know, and they never, re- you know, it wasn't even supposed to be released. I can't blame them that much. Right. Right. You know, they never, you know, they weren't, they didn't put it out. They didn't put it on the record, you yeah. know, so they probably agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that there's a seed of something really good there mm-hmm. that they didn't follow up on. Yeah. Um, bandwagon is, uh, is, is one that, uh, I think almost made it into a demo. Uh, this is, uh, kind of marked for me by Stipe singing this, uh, singing in this and kind of, in this kind of exaggerated Southern drawl, like he's in his Elvis impersonation on it. Um, and it's hard to see past that. I think, I mean, I think this would have been, um, cause this was, this was a B side, uh, I think four can't get here there from here Okay, and makes a good song with that because it is another like goofy kind of comedy song. It feels like. 
you know, come on aboard. You know, it, it, it's him being being kind of silly. Yeah, it's um, king, and it, king of the road voice. Yeah, yeah, and would have made it. You know, maybe can't get there from here. Sound a little bit less out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked Bandwagon. Um, I you know first heard that on Dead Letter Office. Yeah, uh, where the the B side kind of compilation, but Bandwagon is a good song. I understand why it's not on the record, but I think it's a good song. Um, Burning Hell exists in two versions. There's the demo and there's the studio. I prefer the demo. Um, mm-hmm. specifically because it does not have Michael Skype, M- Michael Skype, um, <laughs> Michael Skype doing, uh, <laughs> Michael Skype is improving your experience, improving your Skype experience. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but, it, uh, because it, does, it doesn't have Skype doing, uh, David Lee Roth screams over. Yeah. It. Yeah. But this, this again is a novelty song. Yes. Like it is such a, you know, even down to the lyrics, like, Hey baby, if you got the picnic, I got the ants. Like it's, it is <laughs> them being super silly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, ages of you made it on again, finally made it onto a B side, um, <laughs> yeah. and burning down. Uh, we is, we talk we, about how ages of you never got its due. It's the song we've talked about most. And on- we'll continue to, <laughs> that, that's not true. This is actually the last appearance of ages of you. Now that's shown up on a thing. <laughs> um, but both those finally ended up on B sides that and burning so down. after I being, you. Yeah, yeah. After being studio demoed like a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they recorded a cover of their, uh, their friend, uh, Pylon, their song mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. Um, which I, I like this, this cover a lot. Yes. Um, it's real good. Yep. It has that dark kind of roominess, uh, to it that, uh, the Pylon has and that REM can, can, can bring to something. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really good. When they were recording it, there's a cute anecdote. Um, they didn't, uh, Michael Seib couldn't figure out the lyrics <laughs> in the original version and called them like to get the lyrics, but they just said like, no, like just do it go for it you know uh so this is you know there are parts that are kind of mumbled past and this really does feel like a you know uh a murmur style rem song a little bit yeah because of how roomy and murky it is um and how the lyrics are not distinct yeah um there's a there's a also uh and we'll talk about the song more but they also demoed uh hyena yes uh which shows up on life search pageant but they didn't end up putting it on the album right because uh because Uh, it was too fast for this yeah yeah for, for what this record ended up uh ended up ultimately being mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah so yeah and that's and that's uh that's fables of the reconstruction of the fables of the reconstruction and <laughs> of stuff. the fables of the reconstruction um do we want to do favorites and uh, least favorites yeah yeah I, like i mean just kind of like in wrapping up like i said i i ended up kind of reminding myself like oh like this was my favorite rem song, album for a long time and like that's not ridiculous no you know i think it's really really good um you have to have a tolerance and appreciation for those MOR, you know, REM songs. Yes. MOR being like, middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's kind of just like, this is an REM ass REM song. It's kind of mid tempo. <laughs> it's going to do the same kind of chords that they do a lot. Same kind of vocal melodies, the same kind of like transitions. Yeah. It's, it, it's a weird album for me. You know, I've, I, I've kind of always enjoyed it again because, you know, you've heard me talk on previous episodes. how I love dark REM. Um, when they're when they're willing to kind of uh, lean into, you know, again, just kind of like lean into the more violent side or lean into some of the uh, more un- unseemly kind of kind of things. That said, outside of Driver 8, which is a song that I listen to a lot, um, mm-hmm. it's hard to actually like make a poll like the like make a poll and say, hey, here are like the the three or four songs off of this that I will listen to kind of out of context. Like mm-hmm. a lot of my REM listening was when I was like in middle school and high school, right after I got like a CD burner and like I pulled down and made my own like mixes and stuff. Um, but this is kind of always has songs that I don't listen to outside of the context of just listening to the entire album straight. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, I will, I will pull some things from it, you know, like driver eight is obvious. You know, I, I love that song. Um, but there are other kind of, some of those MOR kind of songs I really love. Like I really love green Gore the rushes. Yeah. I think it's probably like my dark, dark horse favorite yep. on this album. Driver eight is probably my favorite, but disqualifying that the same way we disqualified Harbor coat. <laughs> right. Um, I love green Gore the rushes. I think that song is really melodically strong and fun to sing along with and, yeah. and good. Um, not lyrically my favorite, but like, right you know, very melodically strong. Um, for me, this album is kind of defined by rather than it's kind of cohesiveness, but there are things that like, like the, the weird dark REM stuff on this album, I will skip. Hmm. Um, not so much feeling gravity's pull, which is my favorite of the weird dark stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I don't like auctioneer. I like, I think I like just straight up, like really don't like that song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, old man Kenzie, which I like, uh, I don't, I'm not always in the mood for yeah. Um, it is not uh, melodically appealing in a way that like gets me kind of moving or singing along in a way that, you know, I want to. Yeah, I guess, um, <sighs> you know, it's good. Like, I think that song is good, but it's not, you know, so for me, th- th- this that that kind of you know middle of the road R.E.M. standard ass R.E.M. song that is the, the strength of this album uh, is kind of what I'm going to it for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and some of the things that stand out. Uh, I like a little less because of that, which is weird. It's usually <laughs> the opposite, but right. But yeah, I mean, like this is still in the in in the reckoning, the, <laughs> the like the, yeah. the the reckoning style breadbasket. Like you know, a lot of the great stuff that sticks out from this is stuff that probably was was devised during that time of just incredible creative fertility. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, um, Maps and Legends is kind of a a, a runner up for me um, mm-hmm. in terms of just really really liking it. Uh, on that for a favorite, it would have to be somewhere between. So the, the two contenders would be feeling gravity's pole and old man Kenzie. Um, I'm going to go with feeling gravity's pole just because of how, how off the wall it is. Um, I love the lyrics in it. I love the surreality, uh, the arrangement and the production, you know, you're not going (laughs) to, it just, it feels so unlike anything else. And it feels like it definitely is emblematic of this album to me, even if, you know, like we've discussed, it only represents a small portion of it. Mm-hmm. And for uh, for a least favorite, I've got I've got to go with uh, with good advices. Oh yeah, not not going for Kohotek, eh? No, no, I I, yeah. I can. <laughs> Kohotek has uh, has lyrics. Um, yeah, uh, working in its favor. It also has uh, the, the 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 organ, and it's uh it's it's moody enough to make it like not a skip. Good advices. I just don't think there's an awful lot to recommend it. Yeah, I I mean I like in no world do I think good advices like I would have rather had a polished up version of throw those trolls away yeah uh you know instead of that or even hyena or something mm-hmm. you know something that made this a little bit more awake or bandwagon in in the place of that even if i do like that song yeah um yeah and feeling gravity's pull out of the the, the weird ones i think is my favorite yeah on here for sure um yeah yeah good uh real good album yep. um i like it a lot it was a lot of fun and- to go back and listen to yeah, um, I, I, uh, I've been listening to it like pretty much nonstop. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been it's been nice because you know I, I, I'm home during the day a lot of the time, and so I can uh, I can I can play music loud because my down, my downstairs neighbor isn't there. So like, picture me like sitting in my living room with this blasting over like surround sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, the album works real well for for that. Um, I've been listening to this and and Life's First Pageant in the shower a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it kind of with Life's First Pageant, it kind of works out a little bit better because that album starts so much better than it ends. So yeah. that's most of what I've been listening to. But yeah. um, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that, which we're going to do right now in real time, but in two <laughs> weeks for you guys. 
Um, we should talk a little bit about how we're going to do the feedback episode. Yes. Uh, to give people some time. I mean, this is getting out way in front of it, but just so you guys know, um, if you guys, uh, we've been trying to, you know, we like feedback's a big part of the network. We want people to be able to uh, tell us what they think about the stuff we talk about. Um, so we are going to record a version of our, like our dead letter office episode <laughs> uh, will be your letters and your deaths. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, so since we've already talked about those B-sides, we're not going to talk about the albums that are actually, or the songs that are actually on mm -hmm. uh, Deadlight Office, unless there's anything that we miss. Um, but we're going to do like a clearinghouse episode where we kind of like take stock, talk about any songs we missed, um, and then also read uh, kind of your thoughts on what we've done so far. Yeah. So if you want to write in for that, you can go to duckfeed.tv slash contact, or uh, there's a contact tab um, on fileunderwater.net where you can uh, send those in. Uh, we're looking for anything and everything. Uh, it doesn't yep. just have to be about the uh, the songs that we have spoken about so far or the albums yeah. we've spoken about so far. Tell, tell us your favorite REM song and why. You yeah. know, tell us about, uh, you know, things like that, because we don't know how many of those we're going to do. Right. Like that. this could this could literally be the time we do. It. So <laughs> and we might do another one near the end, yeah. but this isn't going to be frequent, as you can tell by the fact that it's showing up as the sixth episode right. of the show, you know, or seventh episode of the show. So, um, yeah, hit us up with that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something that's going to be very important. So uh, we really enjoy doing this show. Uh, we're going to continue until until the very end um, just because, you know, we're very passionate about this. Not a lot of people listen to it. Um, mm -hmm. So we usually make this call uh, for people to help spread the word. We never pay to advertise anything. We rarely have done that in the past. Probably not going to do it for this show. If you have friends, if you have if you know people who, you know, like podcasts, like REM, please help spread the word so we can grow this one a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is the, the it would be like an SOS if we were more mercenary. Yeah. You know, like it would be a save our show kind of situation. <laughs> right. Fundraiser thing. But like we like doing it and it's been such a joy to like go back and like literally discover new new songs from like one of my favorite bands. Mm -hmm. um, you know that we're not going to stop doing it. Right. Uh, but we would love it if if more people listen to it. And we understand like it's yeah. it's a niche. You know, it's not only is it just a music show, it's a music show about one specific band on a network that's primarily about video games. Right. So, like, we get it. Mm -hmm. But if you uh, if you like the show, now is the time to rate and review it and tell people about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're happy to file this one under a passion project or a van vanity project. Um, but mm -hmm. it's more fun when there's more of you here. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it would be it would be great have more people to talk to about this stuff. So please do so. Um, the other thing you can do uh, if you want to kind of support you know the reason why we're able to take time making a show that like not a lot of people listen to is because we are supported by patreon um by patrons so if you go to uh, patreon.com forward slash duckfeed tv um you can uh, if you don't already support us you can choose to give us a few bucks a month um get into our slack channel get early episodes things like that that's super important yeah um i, I feel like everybody who's listening to this probably listens to our other shows i think so yeah yeah, so there's probably not, you know, you you know those other things. Yes. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess really your call to action is just uh, get some friends. Yep. You know, bring uh, them not, along. Not, not in general, but bring them to us. Yes, we could get not us like some friends. Get Stop us being some a friends. Fucking loser. Like that's not, <laughs> yeah, get popular, dingus. Like that. That's not what I mean. I just mean get us some friends. Yes. Bring bring some friends. We're the dinguses here. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, indeed. We are the dingus is here. Yep. Um, but, yeah. if you're, but if you're hearing this, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, uh, stick around next time for life. It's life's rich pageant. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, until next time, it is the end of the show as we know. it. And we feel fine. Mm -hmm.